this is a podcast we're doing. I don't know if you're aware. That we I'm have, not. We have listeners. I'm not. I don't know if <laughs> no. you've listened to this podcast <laughs> yeah. before, but I have no idea that I'm on one. <laughs> right. You don't. You just think I'm I talking like to down react. to you. <laughs> I like to react silently. And then when you tell me things I know, I like to get offended. Yes, <laughs> that's right. guys welcome back to couple golds with us and i'm hello we are on episode 45 45 okay 45 yes hi hello how are you i'm i'm doing all right other than my usual ear nose and throat problems i know such an old man but i've, I've honestly had that since i was uh, since i was a kid actually yeah i've, I've had oh. issues with my ears mostly it's the issue but that's all connected and and whatnot Yep, that's uh, that's what you've been telling me for about twenty years now. Yeah. So yeah, want to talk about? Let's do let's do housekeeping. Let's do housekeeping. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. Get that done early. As Clem said last week, join Facebook. <laughs> do a Facebook. Join the Facebook group. Join the Facebook group. I don't know. We don't really talk in there much, but. Or. We'll just so, fo- uh, follow, give us a like on our Facebook page, which is different from the listener group. I mean, I guess, right? Facebook yeah. pages are dead. Yeah, but it's still nice. As a marketing avenue. It Since that's literally and... my job. But All right, well, our Insta- we have our Instagram, Couple Goals yeah. Podcast. Check out the Instagram. Sean is in charge of our Instagram, and it's memes, and it's funny. And it's just, it's not like salesy or anything. It's just funny. So if yeah. you're looking for fun instagram content that is where you should go and then wherever you're listening if there's a subscribe option or a review option that's always appreciated yeah and then of course shout out to our patrons and you you can become a patron as well oh my gosh patreon patrons if you haven't hopped over to patreon this like this past week the outtakes from from the um, Cleveland Curiosities. the Cleveland Curiosities episode are over there, and they are hilarious. You need to go check it out. They're okay. so funny. There's like six or seven minutes of them, and they're so so funny. There's like because we left we left it rolling like when I was sick and stuff like that. So yeah. there's a lot of like you guys telling stories and Clem telling stories and Hallie telling stories, and it's very very funny. Okay. But that's all locked up for Patreon patrons. So and you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Yeah, a dollar a month gets you outtakes. So <clears> if you're <throat> just looking for like those kind of things, it's a buck. Five dollars gets you many episodes. More than that, we have to start doing content. We don't have anything more than that right now. We have to no. start doing like video content for you guys and stuff. <laughs> so if you're gonna if you're gonna up your donations to ten we need a lot of you to do it. <laughs> I mean, all, it only takes one of you to, to make us start doing it. And right. We'll do but it for I, you. Don't get me wrong. We would appreciate it if a lot did it so that way it would, it would make the content seem worthwhile. Right. <laughs> it takes a long time to actually put together. But, I mean, we'll do it. Well, yeah, yeah. Don't That's get me the wrong. Obligation. It only one takes person. one of you because we are dedicated and we love you guys. Um, other housekeeping news. No, that's it. Right? Yeah. So we saw two movies this week. Yeah. 
So let's start with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, it gave me a migraine. It made me very sick. All right. Aside from that, could you talk about the content? I thought it was good. I liked it. Good. That's your. That's it. Um, I think it's not as good as the reviews are saying it is, but yeah. I really do like it. I think it is a cute coming-of-age film about a teenage boy and his dad, really. Yeah. I think that's what it's about. Yeah, a lot of family and stuff. It's it's a cute little movie. It is. It's And Spider-Ham should get his own movie. Oh, my gosh. by John Mulaney. I think... And it, it, Spider-Ham is very, um, if you don't know this, Spider-Ham is very Looney Tunes. Like, that's exactly what he is. And John Mulaney is perfection. I like John Mulaney anyway. But he is just perfect. And I didn't, I didn't know much about Spider-Ham except what Sean had told me. But he's just perfect for the character. So yeah, my thoughts, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I really liked it. I liked it a lot. I like the... It, it, I, I feel a few different ways about it. it. It's a very good movie. It's a very good family movie. It's a very good Spider-Man movie. However, I have my own issues that I've always had. This is one of the things... One of the problems I've always had with comic books, going back to... I would say going back to like the Crisis on Infinite Earths with DC... Huh? Crisis on Infinite Earths is where they they basically did this this DC universe affecting event that affected all their characters across all their titles, and the whole idea of it was just to clean up continuity. Oh, okay. But in order to do that, it's and 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 Marvel's done the same thing with like Secret Wars and stuff. But I I don't like. I just don't like multiple universes. I don't I've never been into that. I feel like that it's a it's an easy backdoor to bring back dead characters and things yeah. like that. I don't I've never liked it. Now, I, at the same time, I've never minded Marvel has a line called what if or they used to anyway, which were out of continuity stories. What if Flash Thompson was bitten by a radioactive spider and stuff like that? What if Spider-Man? What if Peter Parker became the Punisher? I feel like comics in general, though. From what I've learned from you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know this like firsthand, so take this for what it's worth. But they just kind of do whatever the fuck they want whenever they want anyway. Yes. And I, I and again, I, I feel different ways about it because I, I do like seeing these characters go on, which is also absurd that we're, we've been, you know, we've had Peter Parker since 1960, whatever, and he's only aged about 10 years in that time. He's gone from being a teenager to like late twenties, right. maybe early thirties. However, except for that one Peter Parker in this movie, who's like, well, that, and again, that's and that's fat. that whole multiverse thing. Yeah, and it, like I said though, it, to me, it's it's I I just never liked it because it makes it so you, you can bring back characters that have it it, it kind of nullifies the effects of characters' deaths and all that stuff when you can just either go to a different universe or drag that character in, and they they do that a lot. It's kind of a crutch. So I don't like that. All that being said, I really like this movie because it was, you know, they, they kind of dragged everybody into the ultimate universe, which is where Miles Morales originated. And then the Peter Parker who becomes his mentor is from the proper Marvel 616 universe, which is the original Marvel universe. <laughs> you look confused. I don't know. I don't know yeah. 
I'm sure you've told me what 616 Universe is before. Yeah, that's it just the Marvel familiar. Universe proper. And then you have all the, the other ones around it and, and Miles Morales. Origin. In, in the comics, there was a Peter Park. He wasn't blonde, though. Uh, he, he was just... The, the, in the Ultimate Universe, Peter Parker, he died young. He died at like 16 or 17 in the Ultimate Universe. And, and Miles Morales became Spider-Man after that in that universe. And they've, they've, they've brought him over into the 616 Universe in the comics, which I think is stupid because they, they both, Peter Parker and Miles Morales, both go by Spider-Man. Well, that doesn't make any sense. It's so dumb. I I, I, I hate that. But uh, but this movie's really good. If, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, it's and you like Spider-Man or just a fun, if you like Pixar movies. Oh, my gosh. Stay until the very, oh, yeah. very... <laughs> very very end especially if like, you like if you've been following instagrams um, instagrams if you've been oh following God. if you've been following us on instagram and if uh, you if find you remember, our memes funny if you find our memes funny especially the ones that i was running during the uh, spider-man memes yeah um they are it was so funny the like completely after credit scene is so hilarious and there's a there's a stanley cameo in this too an animated one it's really cute yeah, but it is. It's a very good movie. People are saying it's the best Spider-Man movie. I would oh, okay. rank Everybody it. Everybody calm down. Yeah, I would. Spider-Man 1 and 2, the Sam Raimi ones, hold a special. Spider-Man 2 is probably the best overall. Like Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man like Homecoming. Homecoming. And then I'd put this one after Homecoming. So I'd put those other three. So it ranks about fourth. So it's better than Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Everything's better than Spider-Man 3. And I like the fact that they don't discount any of the other spider men movies spider-man spider-mans well that's what was weird to me actually is they on the one scene when they show kingpin and doc ock looking at the monitors and they're they show the different universes mm -hmm. and they, they show marvel 616 that's where they pulled peter parker from it's just weird that his whole history though is from the sam raimi cinematic universe right. You know, every every time they show a clip, it's from that. Yeah. Now, and a lot of that stuff was based on stuff in the comics. But and he's talking about like because he when when they're doing the voiceover. I don't know. Watch it. It's just like these aren't spoilers. Just watch it. It's just. Bro, it's, it is. It's, it's a, but it's a good if you movie. are prone to migraines. Or I should say, if you are prone to ocular migraines. Uh, be warned, it is very a lot of flashing lights and a lot of really bright and high contrasting colors, it triggered my migraines. And I actually had to use the prescription. I, I take daily meds, and then I had to use a prescription medication to knock it out. So be warned if you are migraine prone. So now we should we should discuss Once Upon a Deadpool, the PG-13 cut of Deadpool 2. Okay. What do you think of it? The movie itself? Yeah, don't just say good. <laughs> I liked it. Oh, well, that's that's unexpected. Oh, why? I, I thought you would just go into more. I liked all the Fred Savage stuff. OK, I like that's what was mainly different. I liked. here's what I liked. So I'm assuming that you've seen Deadpool. We're not going to spoil Deadpool, too. So there are no spoilers in this. Um. Assuming you have seen Deadpool 2, however, I'm going to assume you know Fire Fist or the, the kid. Yeah. 
the kid swears a ton in the R-rated version. Poorly. And it's terrible. So they cut all that out to make it PG-13. PG-13 and you don't hate the kid. As a result, you don't hate him. It's not that you like him. You just don't hate him. Yeah. All of a sudden, the kid is like, he's fine. I, I think you become a lot more sympathetic. You towards do. Him. You you just. And I wouldn't mind it as swearing if he, if he was good at it. Right. If you it, don't it, want it sounded him like to he die learned how to swear on the set of the movie. Yeah, that kid, that kid is not, he's not good at it. And in the, in the R-rated, you really genuinely want Cable to get the kid. And <laughs> You're right. Like you spend the whole movie going, all right, Cable, go ahead. Please. Like take get this him. Kid. And then, and, and you know, he's not going to because they, Hollywood's not going to kill an obese New Zealander. Like that's not a thing. And especially since they make a point of saying plus size superhero repeatedly. So, you know, it's an intentional casting choice. Right. Because that's not what Fire Fist looked like in the comics. Well, it's not what he looks like as an adult. They show him as an adult. Yeah. And he's not he's he's slender. Right. As an adult. They make a point, though, to say that. So, you know, it's intentional. So, you know, they're not going to kill him. Yeah. In the PG-13, they cut all that out. And all of a sudden you're like, kid. So it's like, well, you added all of those F-bombs just to get just because you had an R rating. Right. There was no other reason for that. It doesn't make him badass or it, right. does, it doesn't add to his character at all. The kid, except to make him the kid was a lot more sympathetic. He was a lot more likable. And the Fred Savage parts were really, they were funny. I liked it. I mean, I, it still made me cry. Why did it make you cry? What makes you cry at Deadpool 2? You gotta, you should share this. Because, because I don't, I, I don't get that. When I go see it, it doesn't. And other movies make me cry. Other, I, I get emotionally involved because with characters. Because Deadpool and character reminds me of you. I gotta cry now. Are you? You crying now? Don't cry now. I'm gonna have to pay somebody to make elevator music that yeah. sounds like our theme song. Yeah, we we got to do that for sure. Anyway, yeah. So that's. That's my take on Deadpool. And, and why it makes you cry. Shut up. <laughs> All Shut right. your face. So I have I have I have thoughts, of course, on Deadpool. Oh my god. We didn't even talk about the after part. Are we gonna save that for afterwards? Oh. The Stanley tribute. What are you looking up at the sky like you have no idea what happened after? I didn't remember. That was very touching. I cried after that, too. That I can't even touching. talk about that. Yeah, it was very touching. Stanley tribute. That was, wow. That was very effective and uh, poignant. There's a, I'm sure it'll be online if it's not already. Oh, yeah, you could probably. I'm sure I mean, I'm sure it it's somewhere. online. There's a Stanley tribute afterwards. It's very good. Yeah. It's short. It's like 90 seconds. Yeah. And it's, it's good. Good stuff. Look it up. So my thoughts on the PG-13 cut of Deadpool. So I don't know if you remember, I, I was very pro PG-13 Deadpool. Yeah. Just going back to the fact that I've been following him for a very long time and it wasn't always about F-bombs and, and violence. Well, there's always been violence as comic books, but it would, uh, gore, I guess, would be. So... After seeing this, I, I still think a PG-13 Deadpool could absolutely work. Mm -hmm. And I thought this movie was 
good, but seeing it in light of seeing the R-rated version as well as the unrated version, it's not nearly as good as the the unrated and R-rated cuts because I do miss the violence. I don't miss the swearing. I don't miss the swearing, but I missed like that whole scene. The beginning? Yeah. Yeah. So the violence where, yeah. where, where he kills the sex or the, the child sex traffickers or whatever the hell those bad guys are. Oh, is that what they are? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that's what they were. But it's a bunch of different. But yeah, he starts off. Like when they're at the bathhouse. Right. Yeah. I missed that whole scene. Right. So that's all gone. When he keeps speaking the same Spanish. Right. Thing and then saying different that's things. That's the unrated the... cut. Oh. Well, I missed that. Right. And then the and Dolly Parton keeps playing. Right. That all that's all gone. that's gone. And I missed. Now that. they had to make room because they didn't want to just bloat the movie by adding the Princess Bride, Fred Savage framing. So they did have to cut some stuff because of that. And they still have like the one scene they left in that I surprised me was the scene where he is going through that warehouse, chasing that guy in slow motion and, and chopping people up and go, going after people with a chainsaw and there's a guy on fire. Yeah, they left that all that in. They just they, they took out, the out the digi- all the digital blood. All that's gone. It's not bloody now. And that's why I think, OK, a Deadpool movie could still work. You can still show violence without the blood. But again, you, you don't. They didn't show the other scene. But I'm not sure the reasons that those scenes were more violent. You know, he was. You know, swords through heads and chopping heads off and sliced throats and things like that. So you could actually see a lot more. But I don't think this version of I think because this was a movie that was filmed to be R rated. And then when you cut it and edit it to be PG-13, it's not as good as it could have been if it was intended to be a PG-13 movie. Right. Well, you would. Yeah, because you would do it a lot differently. But the reason I'm even addressing this is because. Deadpool is now owned by Disney again, cinematic Deadpool. They have the rights, so they're obviously going to take over and make and everybody, including me, suspects they're going to do PG-13 Deadpool now to bring him into the Marvel Universe. Now, after seeing PG-13 Deadpool, I'm like, I really hope they let him go R. I just don't think they will. But if you get the the, if you go in from scratch. Yeah. If you write it, you you could do it. Right. Also. Let's talk about the fact that Matt Damon is in Deadpool 2 and I didn't find out Deadpool until recently. And we just figured it out. Well, we figured it out. I was watching it. We were watching well, yeah. uh, bonus features on Deadpool 2 the other day. And yeah, when the two rednecks are sitting in the back of their pickup truck and the fat one it has that monologue. And the monologue is a lot better in the unrated version that you get the whole monologue. It's the really, monologue's way better. It's really funny. But that fat guy is Matt Damon. I had no idea. like, And I never I never heard it. Anybody mention his cameo or maybe I just missed it? Well, I, did, I, didn't I never know. heard. I didn't know he was in it either. And then when we were at um, when we were watching the PG-13. He says Deadpool says to Fred Savage that he has Matt Damon in his basement. He's talking about like all the people that are in the movie. Yeah. And he says that he has Matt Damon in his basement as well. Yeah. And I was like, well, Matt Damon's not in the movie. Why does he have him in his basement? Because he, he says he has like Josh Brolin. He says like all these people right. are in his basement. And he says Matt Damon. And I'm like, well, Matt Damon's not in the movie. Like, why does he have Matt Damon in his basement? Right. And then we came back home and then like a day later, you were watching the the movie, the the behind or the cutscenes or whatever the hell they were. And that's when we saw that it was Matt Damon on that. Yeah. And it's like. 
and they put on so many prosthetics and then they didn't credit him as that's what they said. Right, they changed they his said name they the changed his name too. in the credits. And it's like, well, how the hell? And then now that you know it is all you can hear is Matt Damon's voice. Right. And then you look at his eyes and it's all you can see. And it's like, how did I miss it? Because it's it's well, he's in disguise. Yeah, it's, in, he's, it's he's intended it, for you to miss. Yeah, he's doing a southern accent. And it's like, oh, my gosh. So but also going back to that scene again, PG-13, though, flip side of what I was saying about the PG-13 version is that scene, the way they they reference when, when Fred Savage references Matt Damon, that makes for one of the best jokes in the entire movie yeah. out of any version of Deadpool 2. It's one of the funniest scenes, and it also shows the creativity I was talking about when they can't just rely on saying things like pumpkin fucker and tripping fucking billies and, and just throwing F words in there. Yeah, for no reason. Yeah, they when when they actually have to be a little more clever, it can result in really funny. big laughs. There's and a really good there's a really funny scene for that. So. so I wouldn't say it's something you have to go out and see unless you're a Deadpool fan, which I am. And I, I like seeing it and yeah, I can't wait Deadpool, to watch it again. He's a Deadpool fan, quote unquote. But I say that because I thought you were a Batman fan, but apparently you're a Spider-Man fan. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of all those things. I can't be a fan of multiple characters. I'm a Star Wars fan. No. <laughs> no. Here, here's what I, I hope they do, and I, I'm guessing they won't, but they, there's a technology they've used in the past with DVDs called seamless branching, and it's not terribly seamless, but I hope they come out with a version where you can edit your own version of Deadpool together for the best jokes. Because there's jokes in all three movies that, you know, there's sometimes jokes in the R-rated version that aren't in the other two, and vice versa. So it'd be cool to have a cut of the movie which with what I think are the best jokes. I would I would like that, but I'm sure they won't do that's that. Not gonna that happen. Be very cool. That's not that's that's not, not going to happen, but that would be that would be super cool. So what are you now? Are you in Deadpool this week? I am. Uh, well, I was going to do a news story. Oh, you have a news story. I have a little bit of a news story. It's kind of a holy shit. This kind is of the a longest last intro. Minute. What? This is the longest intro we've ever right? done. This kind of ties into Christmas a little bit in the if you're looking for a last minute Christmas idea or. For you, if you want to get the jump on Valentine's Day gifts, there is a website called EdibleAnus.com. All right, we're done. <laughs> Shut it down. So I, I found this article on this website, 22words.com by Stephanie Varela. And I'll just read the headline here. Edible Anus Company makes chocolate molds of your or a loved one's butthole. <laughs> Maggie's just staring off into the distance now. <laughs> is this not something you want to talk about? <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> this is not good. This is this is a real thing. This is I not almost a joke. threw up right before we before we recorded because the dog had poop that didn't come off of his butt all the way. So I'm pretty sure talking about anuses isn't really in my skill set right now, but that's fine. Let's talk about it. So you can go to the website. It's it's based in London. That yeah, that makes sense. All They're right. a lot more liberal over there when it comes to. This is from the. If, if you go to the website, you'll see this. Uh, the edible anus first saw the light of day in 2006 when when London artist Magnus Irvin made a range of of them in multicolored chocolate to present in an exhibition. 
Chocolate. It was at the ensuing show that he met and formed a partnership with Mr. Redzima, a tall man of Dutch descent. Since then, the two of them have worked together to make the range of products available today. Initially, Mr. Irvin tried to cast his own anus with messy and disastrous results. I bet. He apparently was burning down his ball sack. And I feel like you wouldn't you need another person. Right. To, to do to cast your anus in anything. Yeah. Lord. <laughs> uh, whilst explaining his failure to a chance acquaintance at a bus stop, he was gratified to find that his fellow bus passenger was willing to allow him to cast her anus. So <laughs> this is why we need a camera on you. I'm if you, sorry. If you could verbalize these neck movements and these faces you make, it would it would be great. OK, so <laughs> meerkat Maggie, in effect. So he's he's waiting for a bus. Yes. And he's like, this is how polite people are over in London, I think. That's the only I, thing I, can I am not meant for London. <laughs> I am definitely meant for Cleveland, because when I used to ride the bus, if someone had said to me, so. Listen to this story. Listen, I tried to cast my butt. So I was trying to cast my butthole and it didn't go well. And she was like, you know what? You can cast my butthole <laughs> and we'll see how that goes. So the job was done in just over half an hour later that afternoon. And all subsequent anuses have been based on this casting. Is it oh, my gosh. She must have a great anus. I don't uh, feel like my anus is up for it. Chocolate. Anus. Oh, I have seen. I've seen that. You've seen the chocolate anus. I have. Yeah. OK. This is news for me, so. That's weird. That's, that must have been a repressed memory. Uh, we believe the edible anus can help to break down cultural boundaries of race, class, gender, and sexual orientation in an amusing and easily digestible way. Absolutely not. I'll just eat regular chocolate. <laughs> like, that hasn't been cast in any shape other than a bar. So, yeah, that's a thing. You can, the packaging is very professional. Here's a picture of somebody getting their butthole cast, because you can now have, you can get your butthole cast your for whoever you want to give your chocolates to. I feel like these would be more for like, wouldn't you give these to someone you don't like? Well, no, because the people you're giving them to, they like your anus. <laughs> these pictures. I highly suggest you check out these pictures online. People just with their. their I'm very confused. OK, air. so so the one picture you showed me, it was like. Some dude in a shirt with a gray long ass beard and a shirt says anus. Yeah. The next guy is in scrubs and he looks like he's <laughs> going into surgery. And he's got like a hairnet on and stuff. Are they just random people off the street doing the castings or is there some kind of protocol? I, I don't know. I didn't get that in depth into it. But yeah, you, you can get your butthole cast or you can just get this this one girl's butthole shaped i'm not chocolates. giving you a chocolate shape like someone else's butthole <laughs> like but i also don't want my butthole cast so i'm i'll just if i was going to give you a chocolate though i would make my i would make chocolate here at the house like i make you know i but make yeah, but candies. it gets messy if you're going to do a cast well i'm not your... giving you my butthole <laughs> plus like i would rather give you like labia you know yeah. like i wouldn't give you butthole i guess if you're gay though you give somebody a butthole like a gay man not a gay woman again you'd go back to labia yeah i wouldn't give you my butthole like no thanks okay that's enough anus talk i'm done <laughs> that's enough anus talk that's enough of that so any other any well, other intro type stuff 
I don't think so. Just going to my topic, which surprisingly is... Deadpool. Deadpool. I had a feeling. <laughs> Why did you have a feeling? Because I saw the name Ryan Reynolds on your iPad. Oh, well, that was actually for a news story that I was going to tell that I didn't. It relates. I made a poster. Well, I guess I'll just go into it now. Oh, God damn it. I made a post on our Facebook page about how if you go to AvengersEndgame.com, it redirects you to the, yeah. the website for Once Upon a Deadpool. Yeah. And the article for that said something about how it was hacked or whatever. And I knew it wasn't hacked. I was like, this was intentional. Somebody yeah, that's marketing. did this. So, no, it wasn't even marketing, actually. Here's 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 the story. A Twitter user who whose handle is a guy in chair. Uh, he bought the Avengers Endgame.com and Avengers Endgame Movie.com before the title was even announced back in April when people were just speculating about what it was going to be. And the whole point he did that was to hold the website domains hostage in order to trade them for two tickets to the Avengers Endgame premiere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, there's there's more of a story there. It wasn't hacked. This was just a, a smart fan of Avengers thinking ahead. And then I, as a joke, he, he decided to to use these domains and to direct them to Deadpool. And it's, it's pretty cool. So then on top of that. Ryan Reynolds owns or is a part owner or something of aviation gin, gin, you know, they make gin distillery, whatever they're called. Yeah, that's uh and he sent the guy this really nice briefcase with gin and tonic and these nice headphones and everything. He sent this guy this stuff because he thought it was he liked hilarious. What he did. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy immediately said he would gladly trade this stuff for two tickets to the Avengers Endgame premiere <laughs> if anybody's interested. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny. And yes, it does tie into my topic, too. But uh, if you were if you were curious about how that came about. Oh, that's funny. All right. So Deadpool, one of my one of my favorite comic book characters, top five favorite comic book characters. I don't know where he ranks exactly. He's behind Spider-Man and Batman. I could see him usurping Batman, though. It's hard to really. It's it is. It's hard to displace the characters that you've loved since you were a kid, though. On your where's list. Captain America in this list? Oh my God! See, that's another one. Captain America wasn't ever one of my favorites as a kid. I always liked him. Really like his movies. I do, and that's the thing. I love cinematic Captain America, and but I have I don't have many Captain America comics from back in the day. I have recent runs. But the movies got me more into Captain America than anything. Like I read I was reading Captain America as a teenager. I probably read it for maybe a year. I want to say around the late 300s issues, like 350 to 399, somewhere in there. I don't oh, remember I don't. exactly. Don't. Go back to that. But it wasn't it, I, I never was, you know, I, and I think a lot of that just had to do with the fact that there wasn't a Captain America cartoon as a kid. You know what I mean? You, you didn't see a lot of uh, the characters I saw. I think it's Captain America. Like in in theory, is really lame. Like he's, he's, he's a, lame. He's, he's like a dated he's, character. He's, he's dorky. Yeah. He's like kind of like. And it, but like, the, the way they wrote him in the movies just wow. And even that's before why the I'm movie, not seeing, so, honestly, that's why I'm not seeing that Avengers Endgame. Well, I I, I did get back into him back all, with the uh, the Winter Soldier storyline. I bought those in trade. I didn't I didn't buy them as they came out, but I bought I had the trades of the Winter Soldier storyline leading to the Civil War storyline and everything in the comics, which ultimately went into like the death of Captain America, which of course he came back because of the comics. That's how they work. The The only character I can think of that wasn't in a cartoon that I really liked from that was the Punisher. 
but I think that was just kind of the time, late 80s. You know, you had your Rambo movies, you had your Terminator, you had Arnold Schwarzenegger commando movies and stuff. It was just kind of Punisher just fit in with that, got popular. Uh, but a lot of the characters are like Hulk, Spider-Man, Batman. Um, I did like Wolverine a lot, though, too, even though he didn't really have a cartoon until the early 90s. But you didn't see a lot of Captain America. So, I, But, but yeah, I, I'd put Deadpool over Captain America now, even. But the, the movies are fantastic, though. Anyway. Yeah, whoops. So now that. <laughs> I, I love when you ask questions like that. Whoopsies. All right, so... Deadpool was created by artist and writer Rob Liefeld. I should say he's, he's mostly an artist. His writing is, is not the best. And writer Fabian uh, Nicieza. Who? He, I've never heard of that guy. He, That's he, like the first time you've mentioned him. He's well, he was the writer on New Mutants at the time. And he's he's gone on to write Deadpool later. But yeah, Rob Liefeld is definitely more identified as the creator but yeah, uh, Fabian Nicieza definitely had some input there, too. So Deadpool made his first appearance in New Mutants number 98. It was cover dated for February 1991, but actually came out in December of 1990 because of the, the way they would cover date things back in the day. The, the comics always came out way before the actual date for some reason. So according to Nicieza, Liefeld came up with the character's visual design and name, and Nicieza himself came up with the character's speech mannerisms. Now, I assume... When they say that, they're, he's talking about the fact that he talks a lot at the beginning, that he wasn't really funny. And maybe they were trying to be funny, but he just kind of talked a lot as he killed people. But to be honest, that wasn't a super unique trait back then. They they had a lot of characters. There was a lot of talking going on during the action scenes in comics. Back That's then, weird. Anyway. That's weird. Uh, well, they had, they had a lot, you know, a small amount of pages to convey everything they wanted to so i just feel like you'd be winded as you were oh absolutely i'd be like i don't have i don't have the energy to speak <laughs> uh rob liefeld who was a fan of the teen titans comics showed this new character to writer fabian nicieza who he was working with on new mutants at the time upon seeing the costume and noting his characteristics which were he was a killer with with super agility nicieza contacted liefeld saying this is deathstroke from teen titans it was very similar to Deathstroke, the mask design and everything. Color scheme, completely different, but the use of guns and swords was very Deathstroke. So Nicieza gave Deadpool the real name of Wade Wilson as being an inside joke of being related to Slade Wilson, who is Deathstroke. Oh. Yeah. Deathstroke's that's, a DC character. You don't know. That's a bit of a... Huh. All right. Some other inspirations for Deadpool were Spider-Man and Wolverine. Rob Liefeld said, Wolverine and Spider-Man were the two properties I was competing with at all times. I didn't have those. I didn't have access to them. I had to make my own Spider-Man and Wolverine. That's what Cable and Deadpool were meant to be. My own Spider-Man and my own Wolverine. Wolverine is like his is Rob Liefeld's favorite character. So both Deadpool and Cable, they were also meant to be tied into Wolverine's history from the start. That Wolverine was my guy. If I could tie anything to Wolverine, I was winning. His favorite comic title before X-Men was Avengers which, of course, fe featured Captain America and Thor and Hawkeye. And Captain America had a shield, Thor had a hammer, Hawkeye had a bow and arrow. So he decided to give weapons to Cable and Deadpool as well. That's where that inspiration came from. Who created Wolverine? Wolverine? Who, what is that guy's name? Lee Never mind. Ringo? Never mind. No, Just I kidding. I can't remember his name. Nope. Just kidding. <sighs> I, can't, I, can't believe, I, can't, I can't believe I can't remember his name. 
He debuted in Incredible Hulk 181, I believe, oh, in the 70s. Oh, okay. I can't remember the guy's name, though. Oh, 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 All right. joking. All right. So Deadpool at this point, uh, New Mutants ended with with issue number 100. So Deadpool debuted at number 98. And Rob, Rob Liefeld then went on to create X-Force, which was the team featured in Deadpool 2. However, in the comics, X-Force is started by Cable and features... Other Deadpool is still a bad guy at this point. He was introduced as a villain. He was still a villain, but he was, he was pretty popular. So he showed up again in X-Force number two. Uh, he got his own series, a little mini series in 1993. This is when I came on board looking through the, the previews book for stuff to pre-order. I just I saw the char- the name Deadpool. I saw the cover and the character design and threw it on my pull list. I was just like, I don't know who this guy is. So you've had a pull list since like 93 off and on here and there. Yeah, is that surprising? The only thing I've had since 93 is my period. <laughs> Just off and on, though. Like I, I didn't start another pull list till earlier this year, though. I hadn't had one for years because a lot. ultimately what would happen is I would go through comics in phases. And I'd read them and either one of two things would happen. Either I would kind of lose interest in the stories or... I didn't really have the money for them. So either way, I would just, and so these pull lists would <laughs> yeah. just pile up. And, and then you're like, well, now I owe you $700. Right. And I don't have Just that. put them back on the <laughs> shelf, please. <laughs> so you have various stores. The uh, What's that? What was that called? The Quaker. There's a place called the Newsstand where that, that Quaker hotel is. I can't remember what it's called now. Oh, the one where... Um the Quaker Square, where Quaker Square, it's, thank you. Where it's it's literally silos. It's silos, but they're hotel rooms now. Yeah. But they it, that was a really cool place when I was younger. They would, that's where they would host all the Christmas trees and stuff. So we'd go there. But it was uh, they had a little store called the Newsstand. It was you know magazines and books and stuff, and they had a great comic section. And I would take the bus down there and and get my comics. All right, so ninety three got a four issue miniseries. Honestly, I had no fucking idea what was going on in this miniseries because I didn't read the X Men books <laughs> because I. I love Wolverine, but I was never into team books and I'm still not. I'm just not. It's just too many characters to follow. And then on top of the these team books, these characters have their own series and you never know if like what continuity they're tied into. It's just a clusterfuck. Yeah, I just prefer to follow single characters. So this miniseries was was tied in heavily to whatever was going on in, in the, the mutant X world, X-Force, X-Men. And there's a ton of other titles related to X-Men. It was, it was the comic of the day. Comic du jour, if you will. Uh, I will not. And I, but I wasn't. I wasn't big into it because it was, it was just too much to follow. But I, I like the character. And the second miniseries came out, uh, written by Mark Wade. Like, I don't even remember Mark that. Wade. Huh? Huh? Hmm? Wade Wilson. Mark no, no, Wade. W a i d. He's a pretty. He's a famous writer in the comic book world. He had a great run on Captain America. Who, you don't really like. No, I, I like Captain America. Oh, okay, good. I got you that Captain <laughs> I America just, pop socket for Christmas. So I, I love, I lo- and I want to, I want a full size Captain America shield. By the way, good for I've you. Been pricing those out as the, the prices go up and down. I'm waiting for them to just make another one because now they're they're hard to find again. So, you, well, I'm sure when he dies in Avengers, you think they'll they'll make some more? Yeah, but I, I would. I actually want a metal one. The metal one was like three hundred dollars. So. He'll die in Avengers, and then they'll be. And then they came out with an actual prop replica. I'll never replica. see that movie, though. They came out with a prop replica with that also has Black Panther scratches on it. That thing's like $1,500. I will never, ever see that movie. Ever. Ever. So, ever. So this is when I really got into Deadpool. In 1997, Deadpool was given his, his own 
ongoing unlimited series. It wasn't a four issue miniseries. This was written by Joe Kelly and drawn by Ed McGinnis. And Ed McGinnis was was new to comics. I'd never heard of the guy at the time. Now he's one of my favorite artists. I loved it. his art style. And then Joe Kelly's writing. Joe Kelly, Ed McGinnis, Garth Ennis. Like, you just love the Irishman. I, I love my people. <laughs> what can I say? So Deadpool became an action comedy parody of the cosmic drama, anti-hero heavy comics of the time. The stuff book, you say, I'm like, I'm just reading. Can you speak English? <laughs> just reading Wikipedia here. Okay, well, could you stop and just like say it in your own words? I don't really have it. I'll, I'll give you my version of it. What I liked about this book is it was genuinely funny. A, a lot of books would go for humor and would sometimes land jokes. But Joe Kelly wrote Deadpool in a voice that it, it was very dry. Yeah. And that appealed to me. It was not over the top. I mean, the action was, I mean, it's still comic book. Everybody's in costumes. You have crazy stuff going on. But the humor and he also entered. This is where the fourth wall breaking Deadpool originated was with Joe Kelly, where he addresses the reader occasionally. Like in the movies. Right. Because of the stuff that in that game that you're playing. OK, we'll get into that. Don't we'll, we'll touch on that. Don't let's not it's, jump ahead. OK, because I have I have things to say. Bad news bears. <laughs> Bad news bears. Yes. No, the Joe Kelly Deadpool. I feel like that's even though Rob Liefeld and Fabian Nicieza are the creators. I feel like Deadpool was his his actual personality. What is the ethnicity behind the name? What? Of Fabian Nicieza. Nicieza. I don't know if that's Spanish or Italian. Isn't Fabian? I don't know. It's it's a fun name. That's why yeah. I ask. I really like it. But this is where they established a lot of the things you see in the movies, too, which I, I really appreciate about the movies is they were able to go back. Instead of looking at the most popular era of Deadpool, they went back in and actually looked at the quality era of Deadpool, which... But this, this is one of them. There's more than one, but the, the original one. So this is where Blind Al was introduced, his roommate, his roommate in the movies. Who I thought was really blind because she plays such a convincing <laughs> blind person. And also Weasel, who's played by T.J. Miller. The, oh, is that? And the school. Is that his name? What? Is that Weasel? his name in the movie yeah. In the movie too? Yeah. I, I don't, I have no idea what his name is. I don't is. think they ever address him as Weasel in the movie. Yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, that's Weasel. He plays Weasel. I just call him T.J. Miller. Like but the school for wayward girls again originated here. The Margaret, hey Margaret yeah, yeah. whatever. Her All that Margaret. was Joe Kelly and McGinnis. Joe Kelly said, With Deadpool, we could do anything we wanted because everybody just expected the book to be canceled every five seconds, so nobody <laughs> was paying attention and we could get away with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and because of that freedom, it and I that that's what really established Deadpool, in my opinion, initially. So I think Joe Kelly came off the book around somewhere in the mid 30s. I want to say around issue 35. And he created a villain named T-Ray that I really liked that I w I've always wanted to see in the movies. And hopefully eventually they'll, they'll get T-Ray in the movies. T-Ray. So in 2004. When did Shatterstar come around? That was back with X-Force. That was an X-Force guy with Rob Liefeld. He's terrible. Yeah. 2004, they launched uh, Cable and Deadpool. The, that run of Deadpool ended with issue like 69 or something like that, somewhere around there. They launched Cable and Deadpool, written by Fabian Nicieza, where he got partnered up with his former enemy, Cable. No longer enemies, obviously. That ran for 50 issues. It was all right. I was never big on that series. Uh, and that went till March 2008. Deadpool briefly appeared in the Wolverine Origins title, who was written by a guy named Daniel Way. Mm. And drawn by Paco Medina, went into a new Deadpool series that started in 2008. And this is where Deadpool went to shit. This is where he jumped yeah. the shark, so to speak. As soon as you said 
his name, I realized who it was. Who, who so this is it. the guy that did away with the supporting cast, the Blind Owl, Weasel, all that stuff with all, all these other characters. And because he didn't want to have he, what he called Deadpool and friends, instead, he made Deadpool have multiple personalities in his head and he would just kind of talk to himself, which is stupid for a lot of reasons. One, it was terribly written. The guy wasn't funny at all. I think he just thought the conceit of having a guy with voices in his head was funny. But it's not, and you know, yeah, it's all about execution. Isn't really funny. Well, it can be, but well, <laughs> I mean, it depends. But on top of that, he it, it was kind of a lazy thing. He didn't want to have these other characters, so yeah, he has like. Two. Was he a writer or a an artist, or was he's he a writer? He's a writer. He just wrote the story. Yeah. He didn't even draw it. Yeah. And so he, he just kind of ignored a lot of continuity and stuff, which sometimes I don't have a problem with that. Continuity can bring its whole. You know, that can bring a wealth of issues, too, if depending, depending. But by ignoring the good what else stuff, has Daniel Way done. I don't even know because I've ignored him I'm trying to think. I think he did a run on a, on Venom at one point. Venom. We're going to get sued by Eminem. I don't think so. I don't think I'm doing it right. <laughs> but I, I because of what he did to Deadpool now. And then this is what's funny, though. Is this is when Deadpool started getting some mainstream popularity, or a few years later, anyway? Well, that's because lowest common denominator humor is terrible. It was so bad. It's so bad. The voices in his head were not funny, as you saw in the game. You were talking about the video game earlier. That's the incarnation of Deadpool I like the least. It's not funny. It's not that's clever. You, you can always tell what Sean's going to do as his topic because he plays the game. He immerses himself in the media of whatever he's going to talk about. It's called research. That's what he calls it. However, like when, he did, when he did the Muppets, he did nothing but watch Muppet movies and Muppet shows. This all sounds like research, right? You can always <laughs> it sounds tell, like research. You can always tell what he's going to do. <laughs> you, you didn't know, though, for sure, until he started. No, because you played Spider-Man a little bit, too. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, Daniel Way era is terrible. But again, this is this is kind of what caught on. And I don't you probably don't remember this, but years ago before Deadpool was, you know, Ryan Reynolds movie. Do you remember going to FYE and there's just a whole Deadpool merchandise section? And I commented on the fact that how crazy it was that there's all this merchandise for a, a comic book character who doesn't have a TV show yeah, or a movie that. or some other pop culture thing. And I was and I, I couldn't figure out how he could be so ignored by movie studios when it's clear he has a huge audience, just yes. judging from the amount of merchandise there is for this character. I do remember that. And unfortunately, that's I feel like that's the character that a lot of people the the Daniel Way version is is a, the one a lot of people either got introduced to him with or I don't know. That's the one they like or whatever. Yeah. But the good news is that it, it pays off ultimately. Well, and that's not the one that Ryan Reynolds clung to. No. The only so. thing he, he does, like two chimichanga lines. He does, That's another thing. The chimichangas thing. That was Daniel Way always referencing chimichangas yeah, and Ryan tacos. Reynolds fucking clings to some weird dubstep joke a lot. And it's like we'll get to that, too. Oh, OK, <laughs> I have that in here. All right. So anyway, moving on, we'll move past that. So in 2012, they brought in they, they rebooted Deadpool for another unlimited series. And they brought in writers Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn. Oh, OK. So Brian Posehn, obviously stand up comic. Yeah. And this was drawn by Tony Moore. These, I like him. These guys got Deadpool back on track. They were they clearly liked the Joe Kelly era mm -hmm. and they got rid of the stupid voices in the head, had Deadpool. And again, they, they actually give some dramatic weight to the character too. Daniel Way's version 
was just super cartoony, had none of the emotional heft. Like the whole thing with Deadpool was he was a tragic character in the Joe Kelly era and kind of in the movies, too. You know, he's very tragic. In the he movies. was just wacky in the Daniel Way stuff. He's wacky. You know, he's very tragic. And that's why when people are like, I don't understand why Deadpool makes you cry. And it's like he's very tragic. And the yeah. fact that, you don't... Fred Savage cries in the movie. Just so just so we're all on the same page. He cries. I'm sure that was. Yeah, I'm sure that wasn't even scripted. <laughs> My point is we got to get a camera on you. <laughs> It means I'd have to shower for podcast day. <laughs> That's why we stopped filming, because I can't be bothered to shower. I'm a filthy person. So that came out in 2012. And now we're going to time travel a little bit back to February of 2004, when development of a Deadpool film starring Ryan Reynolds first began. Back in 2004. So this is... When did Green Lantern come out? Uh, 2011. Really? Yeah. Ryan Reynolds went on to play Deadpool in the... 2009 movie x-men origins wolverine right but they were originally this started off as development for a deadpool standalone movie this was being worked on by david goyer and ryan reynolds they got to know each other working on blade trinity where ryan reynolds kind of does a low rent deadpool anyway that movie sucks and his character is just like a quipping swordsman type anyway which done another marvel movie but that movie was I terrible swear to God, i didn't know who ryan reynolds even was until Green Lantern. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no. I, Van, Ra- Van Wilder. Van Wilder waiting. Oh, waiting. Yeah. Ah, huh, I really I actually, like that movie. I, I have all my bars. <laughs> I still reference that. <laughs> right. The goat. Yeah. Yeah. The goat. I got Steve with the goat. Remember that, Steve? <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that movie. Uh, I, I remember Ryan Reynolds. This is almost embarrassing. From when I lived in Memphis. Oh, God, it's going to be like two guys and girls at a pizza yes, shop. Yes, that's where I got introduced to Ryan Reynolds. I only remember that because of Clerks the Animated Series that I just watched the other day. Yeah. And it's like two guys and girls at a pizza shop. Rob, Steve, and I would watch two guys and girls at a pizza shop. And that's, wow, that's that's where I first that's lame. saw Ryan Reynolds. Three single dudes just hanging out on the couch watching three guys and girls at <laughs> a pizza shop. Yeah, we did a lot of lame things as roommates. I really thought guys were cooler than that. No, <laughs> we were not cool. Me and my female roommates did not do that stuff. That's also we where were. I got introduced to Eddie Izzard, though, too. Ah, Rob was cool. watching an Eddie Izzard special in the other room. Steve and I were watching something, and I kept hearing Eddie Izzard from the other room. I was like, I don't know who that is, but he's fucking hilarious. And both Steve and I kind of migrated to the other room to watch Eddie Izzard. See, like me and my female roommates, we were watching like Clerks and Office Space. Like we were way cooler than you guys. Well, we watched that stuff, too. We and were I watching. watched Clerks. Like, how old were you? I think you were maybe. 12 or 13 when I was watching Clerks. That's cool, Cradle Robber. That's a cool story. <laughs> so we, we watched some cool stuff, too, including Eddie Izzard. I think that's very cool. That is cool. That was his Dress to Kill special on HBO. I, like, I didn't see Eddie Izzard until I was, like, 18. Yeah. And but, I had a hand in introducing you to the guy. I introduced all those people to Eddie Izzard. Yeah, I probably saw it after you introduced them. They yeah. then introduced me. Yeah. And you were probably, like, newly back from Memphis. Yes. It's all very weird. It's all very, the whole thing is so incestuous and weird how we got together. It's awesome, actually. All right. So Ryan Reynolds uh, became interested in the Deadpool character after learning. He was not like a comic book fan or anything, but he learned that in the comics, and I think this was during the cable Deadpool era, Fabian Nicieza, at one point they refer, somebody says he, he that Deadpool looks like, quote, Ryan Reynolds crossed with a sharp hay. So, <laughs> yeah, that's. 
So that's what that got brought to his attention at some point. So and again, they were developing this for New Line Cinema and there was a, an executive named Jeff Katz. He thought Reynolds was the only actor suitable for the role. So he championed this idea. However, there were rights issues with 20th Century Fox and their X-Men films. Project did not move forward. So March 2005, Ryan Reynolds learned that Fox had expressed interest in a film featuring Deadpool. He, the character was set to make a cameo in the 2009 X-Men Origins Wolverine with Ryan Reynolds cast in the part. His role was expanded during the film's production. At this point, Jeff Katz was an executive at Fox and said that Deadpool was nicely set up to be explored in his own way in a future film, which is bullshit if you've seen X-Men Origins Wolverine. That is not how he's set up at all. Uh, the, the film's portrayal deviates heavily from the comic book. They imbued him with all these other superpowers from other mutants, and then they stitched his mouth shut. Yeah, I saw. I, okay, I, well, this is... Oh, this is a podcast we're doing. I don't know if you're aware. We have, I'm not. We have listeners. I'm not. I don't know <laughs> you if you've don't. listened to this podcast yeah. before, but I have no idea that I'm on one. <laughs> right. You don't. You just think I'm I like down to react. To you. <laughs> I like to react silently. And then when you tell me things I know, I like to get offended. Yes, <laughs> that's right. I have no idea. I'm so, yeah, shocked so to learn. They give him all these other mutant powers. They stitch his mouth shut. I remember seeing that in theaters. I got to go into my experience. I went, went to go see X-Men Origins Wolverine in theaters, and I knew Deadpool was in it. I think I knew Ryan Reynolds was in it. I was excited. And at the beginning of the movie, Ryan Reynolds, and, he, and he's not all burned up, mutated, whatever. He he just looked like he Ryan Reynolds. He just had this on the other day, right? Because yeah. I, I saw this. Yeah, in the beginning, like, it's like, oh, wow, this he's great. He's perfect as Wade Wilson. This he's is like, awesome. Sh- he's like shitty. He's like quick. He's like yeah, he's Deadpool. Snappy. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have the suit or anything. He's basically just Wade Wilson because Wade Wilson starts off in the special forces or whatever. But you can see where it's going and then it doesn't go there. Instead, they take his character and his swords pop out of his arms. He like I said, they stitch his mouth shut. He's got what other? Well, he has teleporting, which now that's comic book based. But that was actually a device he had in the Joe Kelly era it was a like a teleporter. It wasn't a mutant ability he had. And like how Cable has a shield thing. Yeah, but like, he could shoot like lasers thing. out of his eyes. It's all right. Calm down, everybody. Yeah, it, it was so bad. It was just like, wow, you had this great character and this is what you did with it. Great job, Fox. Green Lantern came out in 2011. Can you imagine how devastating that might have been. What is Ryan Reynolds actually a comic book fan? No. Oh, OK. It's something he he was introduced to the character. And then you know, he did a lot of research, though. And I have no problem with it. Like, you don't have to hire a comic book fan to play a comic book character. It's no, kind of like no, no, Hugh no, no, Jackman. No, no, no. Hugh Jackman was not a Wolverine fan, no, I'm pretty sure. No, no, Yeah, I would play whatever. I'd play However, Marvel. it does like, help if the shit. person is at least respectful. Because some actors do come in and they just want to, you know, they look at com- the medium of comics and disregard it. And they don't really care. They're going to do their own take. They don't. But other actors come in. They'll they'll read the recommended stories and things like right. it's not not it's not worth reading every Deadpool story, but it's not reading worth reading any characters, all their stories. There's only so many only good storylines and writers. Not only that, like who has that kind of fucking time? Right. All right. So Green Lantern came out 2011 with Ryan Reynolds as the Green Lantern and was a disaster. Apparently did not do anywhere near as well as they wanted. It was, yeah, I honestly just thought it was OK. I, I was, thought it was shitty. I didn't think it was terrible. I remember seeing it and thinking it was garbage. He's like, I just thought I here's here's my thing, too. And this is my bias. My, I just I'm biased against D.C. somewhat. Right. 
But that's only because I have a lot of experience reading DC and it's garbage. I just it's just not for me. I don't want to say it's garbage. Those characters, a lot of them are just very dated. And it. I feel like they have tr- they, they struggle updating them for modern times, except for Batman. Batman, I feel like, is one of the only characters they have that has done well in every era. Are they recasting him? I think so. Yeah, that's not good. No, Ben Affleck is a fantastic Batman. The world will see it in 10 years. Do you want to know what I think? What? I think, you know, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are like best friends or whatever. Yeah. I think Matt Damon could do better. As Batman? No, with a best friend. Oh, <laughs> all right. Think, a little sidebar there. Yeah. I think Matt Damon could do, uh, I think he could do better. The reaction to Green Lantern tainted the Deadpool project. Fox executives were already concerned about having an R-rated movie. <laughs> it's just funny to me. They were like, ooh, yeah, I don't like, know. They were like, I don't know. Have you, have you seen it? But you Did know you what? see the Green Lantern? But Ryan Reynolds came out of that with a wife. Right? He met his wife on that. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he'll never forget that. And again, I don't think Green Lantern was that terrible. I, but, I did but not like it. What I was, was going to say life, about that. You know that. what? Things happen as what happened happened and couldn't have happened any other way, as Morpheus said. What I was going to say about Green Lantern is I went in with low expectations because if you don't know, Green Lantern is a character who derives his powers from the color green. So therefore, I don't know what people were expecting from a Green Lantern movie. But when your central conceit is that your your power is based on a color. Again, this is what I'm talking about with the, the dated stuff. Now, they could have updated all this. They chose not to. I, and it, the, basically, the whole battle at the end is green versus yellow. I don't know if you remember that, but Sinestro is yellow. He be, be, and, uh, that's rough. That's yeah, that's rough. that's. So I, I don't know what people were expecting from a Green Lantern movie. But I thought it was adequate, though. I'm, I'm not championing the movie, but at the same time, what do you want? That's fucking rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, did Ryan Reynolds write that? No. Oh, um, okay. He was just cast in the movie. Okay. I don't know who wrote it. Um, here's the other question. What if you're colorblind? <laughs> anyway. Fox executives already concerned about this. They, they were pushing for an R rating. So after several meetings, the studio agreed the film could not be reconfigured for a PG-13 rating and gave the director, whose name is Tim Miller, a low six-figure budget to produce some test footage. So I think. Oh, that, I thought you meant for the movie. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. That's like student film money. <laughs> right. So to produce this test, he created this footage, footage using CGI at his animation company, Blur Studio, back in 2012. And Ryan Reynolds voiced Deadpool for the footage. This footage, however, did not convince Fox to greenlight the movie. And then after the successful release of The Avengers, uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, they're the writers of the Deadpool movies. They thought Deadpool might be approved as an already developed superhero film. Fox was actually even more doubtful about the script, however, and began exploring ways to include Deadpool in an Avengers-esque team-up film. So different times during development, James Cameron and David Fincher, you know, both great, well-known directors, both friends of Tim Miller, read the film script and championed the project to Fox executives to to basically, you know, they they were like, no. And I don't know if you remember, but when I was doing my Star Wars thing, that was all Fox, too. These the people at Fox have consistently have no idea what people want to see in a movie. Okay, can we talk about Fox for a minute? Yeah. Just in general. Okay. So Fox movies. Yeah. Like movie studios. How are they related to like Fox News? 
up until recently, it was all owned by 20th Century Fox Media. Okay. So they're different now? The uh, Fox, everything except their news and I think maybe their sports was sold to Disney. All their TV shows, okay. all their movies. But they were in the past all the same yeah, company. Yeah. And I, I think currently they still are. They're like the deal's not finalized till next year. But I mean, it's 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 final. Like, so it's, it's all go under through. the same ownership and yeah, leadership the on the high, or, high end. Rupert Murdoch, maybe? So they're all a bunch of fucking morons. Yes. Okay. Got yeah. It. They have Got no it. fucking clue what's going okay, on. Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure their finger is far removed from the pulse of society. And now and it, it will not be on X-Men movies, Fantastic Four movies, Deadpool movies. That's why you're excited. Yes. To see where they go. Yes. Got it. All right. So this test footage got leaked in July of 2014. I don't know if you remember that, but it's very exciting. So this footage came out and basically the, the footage is that whole opening scene in Deadpool 1 where they're fighting on the freeway without the cutaways. Oh, holy shit. But, it, yeah. but it's all computer animated and stuff. Now, initially when it was released, it was like this low grade. Right. Very it's, hard to make out. And then like the next day, I remember somebody put out a very cleaned up version of it. And of course, fanboys like me fucking were ecstatic. They're like, holy shit, this is fucking Deadpool. This is Deadpool. Why? Is can't, how is this not a fucking movie? So that came out. And due to the positive response, all of a sudden Fox was like, maybe we should do a Deadpool movie. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> you're just squinting at me. She's just squinting at me. She's so upset at how stupid Fox is. It's infuriating to me when people. When people who are in positions of power have these notions and because I feel like it's just ego that tells them if they're right or wrong. Like you said, they don't have their pulse. Right. Or the finger it, on their pulse not, of, of what yeah, people actually want. Yeah, it has with the ego to me. It has... When people who have their fingers so far removed are able to make decisions that affect the masses like Deadpool. So many people love it. And it's not just Deadpool. It's like even shitty movies like the Bad Bomb movies. Like people love that. I don't. I think it's stupid. Yeah. But people love that stuff. And that stuff should get made because right. people love garbage movies like that. Like people love that kind of stuff. How many amazing movies have not gotten made because people somebody's are clueless that's higher up? Right. Yeah. That's why. Hey, if you're listening and you have an amazing idea, continue to champion your amazing idea because yeah. it matters and your ideas matter. So keep going. Anyway, go on with your shit. So they they did put Deadpool in a movie, put him in a Wolverine Wolverine movie, and they fucked it and up. And people responded poorly to that Deadpool. I who knows why. Because I think we all know why. Fucking, it's <laughs> not the right Deadpool. Because they fucked up the character, right. right? That's what I mean. Right. And so they were like, well, no, we don't want to do a Deadpool movie. Nobody liked Deadpool. No. And they have no clue that it's because right. they fucked up Deadpool. They, it's it's so weird. And it's so obvious to fanboys like myself. We see this and we're like, this is terrible. But the, it's the same thing with the Ghostbusters 2016. It's, it's not that people don't like Ghostbusters. It's like people don't like shitty movies. Right. There's a difference. Right. And but they don't see. And I, that's what I mean by ego. It's like, well, we put out an amazing product and people didn't respond the way we thought they would. What's the problem? It's the people. They don't Here's like the this. thing that I've learned in marketing in general. You can think you're doing something amazing and you might be doing something amazing, yeah. but not for everybody. And you don't realize like you can't see the forest for the trees because you're in it. And all of a sudden you show it to somebody else and they point something out 
that's so obvious that you didn't see. Right. Yeah. Like, I'll make I've made amazing graphics and then I'll show it to somebody else and they'll be like, oh, OK. And they read it a totally different way. And I'm like, huh? Right. And it's something you can't see until you show it to another person. Yeah, it's just how it is. It's like proofreading. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. And it, it is about right. perspectives, though. All right. So the test footage got leaked. Fox all of a sudden is on board. So production was set to begin in March of 2015 with producer Simon Kinberg on board. He also produced some of the other X-Men movies. Ryan Reynolds attributed Fox's green lighting of the film entirely to the leak. He, Tim Miller and the writers had previously discussed leaking the footage themselves and Reynolds initially thought that Miller had done so. So this <laughs> became like an ongoing joke when they would uh, they were doing press for the movie. Nobody would admit who leaked it. And clearly somebody did. Yeah. So and ultimately they they said that uh, they they just think it was someone at Fox. But who knows? Somebody. So, somebody it might have been Ryan did. Reynolds. It might have been Tim Miller. It might have been somebody we don't know. But somebody was smart enough to say, hey, put this, this shit on the fantastic. Internet. Right. Yeah. They'll go crazy for it. And and we, and we did. Everybody did. And it. it Dude, it was like literally like that same week. They're like, oh, they're making the Deadpool movie now. What a fucking shock. However, 48 hours before the film received the official green light from Fox, the studio cut its budget by seven to eight million down to fifty eight million dollars. Now, that used to be like a mid level budget. That's almost like a low budget movie nowadays. Yeah. It's not it's not low indie budget. Right. But, that, but for something with that kind of special effects. Right. For a big budget or, or not, I guess not big budget, but for an action heavy movie. Yeah. With superheroes and all that. And flipping cars and all that stuff. Right. So this forced a last minute rewrite that saw about nine pages cut from the 110 page script. Changes included the removal of a motorcycle chase at the end of the opening sequence, which they call the 12 bullets fight because he only has 12 bullets. And having Deadpool forget his bag of guns before the final battle sequence to avoid having to shoot a costly gunfight in the third act. So that's why he does that twice in the movie. The movie came out in uh, February 2016. It was Valentine's Day weekend, I believe. We went and saw that for Valentine's Day. We sure did. So at the end of January 2016, the film was projected to earn 55 to $60 million in its opening weekend in the U.S. and Canada. Fox's rivals projected the film to earn closer to $80 million over the weekend. It ultimately opened at number one, making $132.4 million for the weekend. Fuck you, Fox. <laughs> Fucking idiots. And then 152.2 million. It was a President's Day weekend. So over the four day weekend, it made 152 million dollars. Fox was like, yeah, I'll give you four dollars. And then I'd buy that for a dollar. Some of these statistics aren't very interesting. Let's get to the good stuff. All right. So they set a bunch of records basically for R rated films. 12.7 million on the Thursday night preview showings. 47.5 million on its opening day. 42.5 million on February 13th. And 42.6 on Valentine's Day. Those were all day of the week records for R-rated films. <laughs> so, again, they didn't want to do an R. They didn't want to do a Deadpool movie, period. And they were hesitant about doing an R-rated one. And it went on to break all these fucking records. Shocking. Right. Who expected that? So in its second weekend, it got 55 million. Uh, kept it at number one. It made it the fastest R-rated film to cross 200 million, doing so in nine days. It became the highest grossing X-Men film and R-rated comic book superhero film the very next day. <laughs> like, it's breaking all these fucking records. And Fox, meanwhile, they're like, I don't know. I like, don't nobody know. Want, nobody wants to see this. Right. Like, no, nobody wants to see that weird, fleshy, gross version with a sewed-up mouth looking like 
Looking like uh, Keanu Reeves in the Matrix weird agency. And they just removed his his one of his things that he's known for, which is talking. Right, which, which is, is that shows you how little mouth. they understand this character that they actually removed one of his well-known traits. So ultimately, it went on to make three hundred and sixty-three point one million dollars. Oh, okay. And what at the time was the highest-grossing R-rated movie in the world, not domestically, which he talks about in Deadpool two, which was Passion of the Christ. Oh my gosh, do you remember? Oh, this is off topic, but I got well, it's not. It's Deadpool. So when we went to go see. The Once Upon a Deadpool or whatever just this past weekend or yes. this past week there were people who waited There were the theater was all women except for Sean and one other man in the theater and there was a healthy turnout and most of these people there was a few teenagers right there were teenagers and there were there was like a kid there was like a little like a girl okay. like someone had brought a, a child and most of them were seeing it for the first time you could tell by their reactions yes and there was a like two women who were there together behind us. Well, they were all women except for one other dude. And they were seeing it for the first time. So when there's a point where Deadpool like signs a Wheaties box that has Wolverine on the cover. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman on the cover. And he signs Ryan Reynolds. Over his face. Over. Yeah. And the women behind us like lost it. Like it was the funniest <laughs> thing that's ever happened. They were gasping. They were into they it. They were into it. And it was it was all women. So apparently women prefer the PG-13. Like they waited. That's what I learned, too, when we when we went and because we talked about it afterwards. Obviously, yeah. I was like, I feel like this was a mostly female audience. That's what that, I forgot to talk about that. Right. Because you made me cry. So <laughs> I forgot. But yeah. So that that's interesting to me. That, yeah. That's that's th the thing. this was opening night. And those are the people who showed up. Right. And. And, and like you said, you could tell it was our first time because they were gasping they were audibly gasping at things and, and they were and, shocked yeah. at certain things and they laughed their butts off. That made me very happy, though, just that they 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 pulled in a different demographic. They did. You know, and also the, like, also the younger ones, obviously, they pulled the, in they pulled in children. And they, the parents, they pulled the in who, they pulled in parents with kids. They pulled yeah. in like women and then they pulled in one other couple other than us. The other thing that made me happy about that is. They they also did it without trying to appease some special interest group. Right. Everybody was. It turns out men and women and all and whatever. Every, everybody, everybody will just like a character, no matter if it's just a good character. You right. know, you don't. Turns have, out people like well-developed characters. Right. It's so weird. That, and that's it. You, uh, you don't have to cater to anybody. It's so weird. You it can turns just out people, write something. If, and if it's good, people will show up. It turns out people like people who are well-developed. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what, who they are. So then uh, I just wanted to go into a couple some of my issues I had with the original Deadpool move with the Deadpool movies. And these are minor. But as a comic book fanboy, the problem I had with the first movie, again, these are very minor, is he starts off. At, well, they show the opening scene on the freeway, which is awesome. But then they show him when he's Wade Wilson and he is addressing a teenage boy oh, or stalking yeah. a teenage girl and then he doesn't take her money. Now, first of all, he's some kind of like good guy. And that's not wait, that's not Deadpool, though. I didn't like that. I think they tried a little too hard to make him good and make nice. Him a nice guy. That's not who he was. He was more like how he starts the second movie where he's chopping up people. That's that's Deadpool. So I think they've been over a little too much. It was like it was it, that was too much. That always rubbed me the wrong way. I still don't like that. it makes for a funny scene, but that's not Wade Wilson. And also teenage girls aren't going to sister Mary Margaret's to say, Hey, you know, it just, none of that made sense to me. I didn't like yeah. that. The other thing was blind Al. 
who's just known as Al in the movie. In the comics, she's his prisoner. And again, oh. that reflects on you know, he was not a good guy. I think I think it would have made the character better if if he was a little bit more bad. They let him be bad, you know, and, and then kind of change over more. But she was his prisoner living with him. She couldn't oh. leave. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that relationship is a lot different in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then going into the second movie. Although it is hilarious that he has a cure for blindness in his <laughs> Right. Or something labeled as such anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then the second movie, going back to what you were saying. Two dubstep jokes? Or are there three? There's at least I two. I don't know. But they make a third reference to everybody it. fucking calm down. That was weird to me because it seemed like for the most part, their pop culture references were recent. Dubstep is long over, right? Yeah. I mean, that's very six, eight years ago. It's very weird. That's my only issue. Dubstep though. needs to like that's that. Those were really lame jokes. They could have done something with, I don't know, mumble rap or something a little bit more recent or something. But not, I don't know why they how they landed not on pop culture. Or, yeah, it's it like really dubstep. That's that's left pop culture consciousness a long time. But that's it. That's 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 my whole thing. It took about three hours. Hope you enjoyed it. This is a long one. You can use it. It can get you through the whole week. You can just keep <laughs> coming, stopping, coming back, stopping, coming back. Because I am about to start my topics. The fucking thorn birds up in here. Right. This is fucking north and south. <laughs> in here, you're like, what do you like? Do you like Tommy Lee Jones or or Tommy Lee Jones is thorn birds and uh, Patrick Swayze is north and south. So. Yeah. Pick your poison. Wait, no, Richard. Who was Richard Chamberlain was Thornbirds. But so was Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, he's in Thornbirds? Yeah. Oh, That's that was like the first thing I ever saw him in. Oh, okay. And he was like I thought that was Lonesome Dove. Oh, that was Lonesome Dove. Okay. That was Lonesome yeah. Dove. <laughs> I haven't seen Should that. we watch it real quick? <laughs> no, you should not. Do you Absolutely you have not. eight hours? No. All right. So guess what we're gonna talk about? I know what we're gonna talk about. Do you want me to tell people or do you want to tell people? You can tell people since you've been on my ass since since November started. To oh, talk about Christmassy this. stuff, right? We're talking Krampus about Christmas and various other Christmas characters. Let's do this throughout like folklore and history. We're, we're, how long is this? Holy shit. Yeah, we have. I have a lot of editing to do. Yeah. Because we do have some outtakes in here. Yeah. So. Stop holding my hand. <laughs> I love that I can just touch you and you'll have, you'll just get sad <laughs> because I touched you. It's supposed okay. to be consolation. It's supposed to be consoling. It's because as I've gone through my improvement of myself, my self improvement, self development, like I don't know what you want to call it. Personal development. But I have made a point to be more in touch with my feelings so they're much more at the surface okay so piss off <laughs> today we're talking about christmas characters the first is saint nicholas i know him no you don't oh i know uh, of him. all right go ahead tell me about him it's santa claus right it's just uh, another name for santa claus no, no. So St. Nicholas, he was the Bishop of Myra in Minor Asia. He died on December 6th. Wait, he's a person? Yeah. Oh. That's what I mean. You don't fucking know him. Is he the guy who led the snakes out of... Is that someone? Who's that? St. Patrick. Oh, St. Patrick. Okay. Um, three. So he died on December 6th, 343. Like, that. Was, that's the year. Oh, I thought you were going to say he died at 343. I'm like, holy shit. No, he, he dates back to the 4th century. 
And he is said to appear in the company of Necht Ruprecht, who we call Krampus. Oh. So he's up next. But St. Nicholas Day or St. Nicholas Eve is celebrated on December 6th. Oh. Because that's his death day. And that's the favorite holiday of most children because that's when you like leave your shoes out and people fill them with shit. Now he comes, he's supposed to knock on your door or whatever. And then the the parents are like, oh, my kid's so good. And then he like, you're supposed to sing for him. And And he gives you gifts big enough to fit in your shoes. Yeah. Hmm. So kids, like German kids leave their shoes out and they get presents. When I was a kid. Toys in that century. Candies, candies. Oh, largely. The only thing I could think of was like. Owls? (laughs) Owls? <laughs> like, I don't even know. Candies. What did they have back then? Candies. Uh, when I was growing up, I would leave my shoes out because I, I'm... You still leave your shoes out, no matter what day it is. And you've never filled them with fucking candy. So, <laughs> what's that about? Well, I don't want to encourage this behavior. When I was a kid, I would leave, like, leave a pair of shoes out, and my mom would always fill them on that night with candy and lottery tickets. Oh. That was my That was my thing. But... From my research, it makes sense because my family is largely German and Austrian. Yeah. And that's where the tradition stems from. Right. So St. Nicholas traveled with Krampus. So those two kind of go hand in hand in the German and Austrian region. Okay. So Krampus is half goat and half demon. He's a horrific beast who beats people into being nice. (laughs) Or... Basically, like not being naughty, you don't necessarily, not necessarily being nice. But so he's just like an abusive parent. Well, he travels with with Saint Nick. Okay. So like, if you're if Saint Nick's like, oh, you're nice, you'd sing for me and whatever, and then if you don't do it, Krampus is like, all right, well now I beat the shit out of you, and then I pull you <laughs> into the underworld. <laughs> Jesus. So Christ. he has like he has horns, dark hair, fangs, and a long tongue. And he travels with a chain and bells and a bundle of birch sticks. At least you can hear him coming. Well, yeah, he's with St. Nick. I mean, like, dude, I am not answering the door for St. Nick. If if I know that's who's traveling with him. Yeah. No, thanks. I don't need I don't need fucking. Well, that's in Germany and Austria. We're in in the United States. If anybody's knocking, it's they're probably trying to take a look at our electric bill to save us money. Like nobody's (laughs) knocking on our fucking door to give us put shit in our shoes. So if you're good, you get candy and lotto tickets. But if you're bad, hauled to the underworld, beaten with some sticks. That's that's it. Now, in modern day Austria, Germany, Hungary and various other countries, they do like Krampus run or like Krampus loft, which is a bunch of drunken people dressing as devils. And then they take off over the streets and run and scare people. Hmm. So that's pretty much Krampus and St. Nick. Moving into the Pennsylvania Dutch. Dutch. Which is like Amish. Right. Okay. Just if you're listening. We're in Ohio, so we have a lot of Pennsylvania Dutch here. We have a lot of Mennonites, Amish, all that stuff. Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah. Pennsylvania, we're we're only two hours from the Pennsylvania border, so we have a fair amount of Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, They have a character called Dare Belsnickel, (laughs) who is pretty similar to Krampus couple nights before christmas so it's not quite the same time yeah he'll show up at your house with a stick and beat 
or he shows up with your house with a stick in one hand. So he's kind of like he's like a common. I have both dogs. I see you looking. But he'll show up with a stick in one hand and then a bag of candy and nuts in the other. So he's like St. Nick and Krampus all in one. And one by one, he'll call your children out of the house and ask them to recite a poem, Bible verse or math. Jesus. Yeah. And then depending on how they do, he'll warn them then to behave and then he'll toss goodies on the floor. But if your kids are ill behaved, they fuck up their math question or whatever, or they greedily dive for the candy. Yeah. So if they do everything right, but then they're like super greedy about it. Yeah. He'll just beat the fuck out of them with the sticks. <laughs> Like he won't. All right, hang on. I got. I got to interrupt here because I'm. I'm I, like I. I like these idea of these characters. However, did somebody act? Because these are stories they tell kids, right? Right. So, but did somebody go around and do this? Because if you're a kid, are you just sitting there, mortal terror that that this guy's gonna knock, or eventually you're like, oh, this guy never shows up. This well, is something that folk, happened in the past. That's the folklore. It's folklore for Krampus, right? Yeah, but I feel like in Pennsylvania Dutch, I'm guessing somebody's not going around doing it because yeah. it's because it's the Amish. Yeah, so I'm guessing it's like somebody's job to like go around <laughs> to and go then, around and beat the shit out of kids. <laughs> like, here's some nuts. What if you have an Amish kid with a nut allergy? Oh God, do they even know about nut allergies? Well, I'm guessing when one of your kids dies, you're like, well, that they kid probably can't blame. Have, do I don't know anything? You about blame Amish. God, right? Well, no, you blame the devil. Oh, you blame right? You blame. Whatever this kid's, this guy's name is, Dare Bellsnickel. But because, you know, we have we have, you know, mall Santas and stuff. They don't go door to door. I just feel like the, the Santa Claus thing makes a lot more sense because. I want to talk about him. You calm down. Well, no, I just want to say, well, everybody knows about this. What I'm going to say about Santa Claus. This isn't a spoiler for anything you're going to say. Nobody he, knows about Santa Claus. He comes at night while the kids are asleep. So the whole idea is kids are asleep and unawares. Right. And so these other stories are so involved. They're calling him outside and stuff. Yeah. Right. Well, most of this is folklore. But the thing with the Pennsylvania Dutch is I have a feeling somebody's dressing up and doing it because <laughs> because they're they don't have like TV or anything. The Pennsylvania right. Dutch are are the people who don't use power. They're yeah. not Mennonites. Mennonites are the ones who have vans right. and like you see them at Marshall's. Right. But the Pennsylvania Dutch are the ones that you go to a field trip Right. And you can only go during the day because they're butter turning for butter. you and, yeah. and chairs and things yeah. like that. Yeah, that's they're different. So I'm guessing like, you know, like Jebediah Yoder dresses up as their uh, bells nickel and beats the kids if they dive too fast for the nuts that he threw on the floor after they recite their math problem correctly. That's my guess. Right. Throughout history, Dare Belsnickel has taken different forms. The most familiar to the Pennsylvania Dutch is the is this dark, tattered man in furs who carries the switch, the, the sticks, and has the candy and nuts. And the second figure is a little bit more Krampusy. He's the guy with the horns, and yeah, they don't really do Very him. Baphomet, yeah, based sounds right. Like. And then there was like this third Bell's Nickel version where he's he's like white and like he's dressed all in white and he's very he's very fairy like and he slips in through a keyhole and he leaves gifts. So he's very Santa Clausy. Yeah. But he's all in white. So those are the three throughout history. 
But the one that's the most familiar is the guy who shows up at your door. So that's why I think somebody's actually doing that hmm. in the Pennsylvania Dutch, because that's that's really easy to imitate. It's a yeah. guy dressed in fur. Right. I think that that's actually happening. So in France, they have and this is guys, this this is the one we're going to talk about the longest out of all of them. They have Hans 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 Trap, who actually sounds German, but whatever. Right. Very German. He is the legendary boogeyman. He accompanies Santa Claus to punish naughty kids at Christmas. While Santa delivers presents, Hans delivers beatings. <laughs> now, this is folklore. Right. So everybody knows he no longer exists. Right. But according to the legend, during the 15th century, there was this rich guy named Hans Trapp. Trapp, I guess. But he was a dick. He was like cruel and heartless. And his only goal was to enrich himself by any means necessary. Okay. I compared him to Trump when I did my initial notes and then I took it out because of this next part. It said he used black magic to obtain his wealth. And when the Catholic Church found out, they excommunicated him. Hmm. So his money and land was then confiscated and he was left penniless. In his horror, he drove it drove him into the into the woods okay. and he went mad because hmm. he was just like stuck living in the woods by himself. So he's in the woods by himself and this young shepherd boy is out there herding his sheep or whatever. And Hans attacks him, cuts him up, roasts him over the fire and eats him. Hmm. Since that time, Hans Trapp has remained a legend in folklore of France. Every Christmas, it is said he goes from house to house dressed as a scarecrow, scaring small children and threatening to eat them. <laughs> that one is the most like my stories. Yeah. Now, this was a shocking one to discover. Okay. In the Netherlands, there's this other character. It made my belly flip when I read about it. Celebrate December 5th, which is the Dutch St. Nicholas holiday. Okay. The Netherlands, like Netherlanders, the Dutch, I guess you'd call them. Dutch. They... They gather for parades in which Sinterklaas, which is what they call Santa Claus, he arrives in town to hand out candy and gifts. But the parades have taken on an increasingly political and violent tone this year, 2018. Oh. Because Santa has a blackface sidekick. Oh. They only noticed that this year? This year. Okay. In Dutch tradition, Sinterklaas has a helper named Zweivart Piet, or Black Piet, who appears as a blackface character with large gold earrings and exaggerated lips. Hmm. So there's an article from October, and in the, in the weeks leading up to the Saint's name day, which is what they call... St. Nick's Day, which they celebrate on December 5th. We celebrate on the 6th here yeah. in the U.S. Uh, the cities and towns hosting parades have featured hundreds of white people. The pictures are horrifying. Okay. Like, well, the, I'm guessing the Netherlands is primarily white, though, isn't it? it? It They have white people, but they also have black people. But I, I just mean that. It's one of those Scandinavian countries that right. they're most, I mean, those are mostly white populations. Well, here's the issue. It's performed by 
a white person. They have a lot of black people protesting. Ah. But they have, oh, I mean, this year they did not, they they did not have, like, they didn't They do just that. found they, out blackface yeah. was, was offensive. But the issue <laughs> is that it comes from, like, they dressed white people up with Afro, Afro hair, black skin, red lips, earrings, to, to serve as a reminder for when the Netherlands exploited slaves. Like, it's dressed up as a slave. They would dress up white people I didn't in a full black face as a slave to be Santa's slave and follow around Santa. I always thought the slave thing was mostly a U.S. thing. No. <laughs> I didn't realize that the Scandinavian countries. Yeah, did other that countries as well. had slaves. So this this uh, this stopped this year. This year. This year, just a couple weeks ago. They got hip to things. In well, they stopped. They stopped dressing up like them as an, in a parade. I'm sure he, he's not gone. Yeah. But I can't believe had, that it took over this long. They had slave iconology in their Christmas or whatever celebration. I was so grossed out reading it. I was like, "All right, well, I can't avoid this. Like, I have to talk about it." I f I just feel like that should have ended it. At at least 20 years ago, I'd say, would yeah. be <laughs> 2018 is, wow. At least 30 to 40 years ago. I'd say minimum 20 years, though. The fact that it just stopped this year is, is a bit shocking. Yeah. They called him, he, it was called his helper is how they were referring to it. But he's dressed as a slave and he he follows behind. Jesus Christ. Is that upsetting? Yeah, okay. that's, that's all crazy. Right. Now let's talk about the big guy. And this is my last guy. And then we can wrap it up. So this isn't actually all that long. So Santa Claus, he's thought of as a jolly man in red, but he actually goes back to the third century. It's Saint Nick. Okay. So, I mean, you do kind of know him, but Santa Claus is actually evolved from Nick's Dutch nickname, Sinterklaas. Dutch. Like we just talked about. And in 1804, John Pintard, a member of the New York Historical Society, distributed woodcuts of St. Nicholas at the Society's annual meeting. The background of the engraving contains the now familiar Santa images, including stockings filled with toys and fruit hung over a fireplace. In 1809, Washington Irving helped to popularize Sinterklaas stories when he referred to St. Nicholas as the patron saint of New York in his book, the history of New York hmm. gift giving mainly centered around children has been an important part of the Christmas celebration since the holidays rejuvenation in the early 19th century. Stores began to adver advertise Christmas shopping in 1820. And by the 1840s, newspapers were creating separate sections for holiday advertisements, which often featured images of newly popular Santa Claus. By the 1890s, the Salvation Army needed money to pay for the free Christmas meals that they were providing to needy families, so they began dressing up unemployed men in Santa Claus suits and sending them out into the streets of New York to, to solicit donations. Those familiar with the Salvation Santas now know that they've been ringing bells ever since. Hmm. That's Santa Claus. Interesting. Yeah. So Santa Claus really is Santa Claus from yeah. the Netherlands. Right. Not his slave, notwithstanding. Right. Evolved and filtered a little bit. Yeah. And then the New Yorkers made him their own. I mean, he comes from he comes from two guys in New York. 
deciding that we need to make him American. Cool. So, yeah, the Santa, as we know him, has been Americanized and adapted. Never knew that. Yeah. And that's everything. See, I always thought St. Nick and Santa Claus were the same guy. It was just a different name. It was just inspired by. Yeah. He was St. Nick is the basis of Santa Claus. Did you ever see Santa Claus the movie? Do you remember that? The first one. I did see There's that. more than one? There was like three. Really? Yeah. No, 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 no. I think you're confusing. Not the Santa Claus. Oh. It's called Santa Claus the movie. Came out in the 80s. I never saw it. I was curious if you did. I don't think so. Since you grew up rich and, and white. I didn't grow up. I did grow up white. <laughs> oh, um, it came out in 85. I okay. don't think I saw it. Oh, okay. So you were, you were like I was four. like four. Yeah. I just, I, it just popped in my head. I never saw it. looked terrible. Even as a kid, it, it did not look good. But I, I was wondering if you ever saw Oh, no, ever I never saw, saw this. Dudley Moore? Oh, wait. Yes, I did. <laughs> wait, yes, I did. I'm looking at pictures of it. It is not a Christmas classic, and I'm guessing it's for good reason, because it didn't look good I've at the time. Seen this. Oh, yeah, he plays like the, the head elf or yeah, something. I've yeah, seen this. I remember the commercial now, but I, I might be confusing it with another Christmas movie that did not become a classic called Prancer. I've seen that, too. You saw that. Was that good? Yeah, I liked it? Prancer. I don't know if it was good, but I liked it as a kid. Yeah. That came out in 89. Okay. And that was, I didn't, like I said, I don't know that it was good, but I did like it. Sam Elliott, Abe Vigoda. Yeah. <laughs> Your boy Abe Vigoda. Johnny Galecki. Yeah. That was. Well, that was a long podcast. It was a long episode. What are you, you going to do? Yeah. I mean, got to talk about Deadpool and Santa Claus and Krampus. Right. What do you want? <laughs> like, got to. Got to got to talk about it. Not going to not going to work here. All right. Well, I think that's everything. Yeah. I, I, I got nothing else. I got a lot of editing to do. I'm, I'm exhausted. Are you, are you so tired? Creatively from, sapped. Yeah. From reading. Yeah. Are you sleepy from reading? All that reading were you out? Actually, I'm tired from only getting like five hours sleep. Bro, same. I was up until 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. I was up at nine. Yeah. So I'm tired. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. All right, well, that's everything for this week. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.